Well, good evening, Las Casas family. I hope y'all are doing well. Uh, thank you, as always, just for tuning in on a Wednesday night when you could be doing anything else and uh, you tune into our midweek service live stream. And so uh, if this is your first time joining with us, we are continuing in our sermon series called Kingdom Minded, where we are studying the Sermon on the Mount. And what does it look like to be kingdom minded? That if we have truly repented of our sins and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and if we're living for his kingdom now, then what does it look like to live for his kingdom? And so that's what we've been looking at over the past few weeks. And we're continuing that tonight as we look at verse 8. We're going to be looking at blessed are those that are pure in heart. And so we're continuing this uh, sermon series as we continue through the Beatitudes and look at those. And so um, before we get started on tonight, uh, I just want us to imagine something. It's a little silly and a little funny, but here's what I want us to imagine. Imagine to you that I claimed to be a professional hockey player to all of y'all. More specifically, since we're in the area and they're close by, imagine I said, I'm a professional hockey player for the Nashville Predators. And so, but here's the thing. However, I don't know how to skate. Um, I don't know how to handle, let's say, the hockey stick or puck whatsoever. Uh, but, but I have my own jersey with my name on the back of it. And, uh, and I even, I even taken pictures of Bridgestone Arena, you know, uh, at the stadium itself. I've taken pictures uh, of myself with the players themselves. I even have, you know, I even have that in the bio on my social media accounts. Uh, how quick are you to maybe uh, to believe me when I make that claim? Saying, well, I'm a, I'm a professional hockey player. I have all these things, even though I, I don't necessarily know how to skate or, or you might not see me on, let's say, a particular roster of anything. Um, but, but again, I have it in the bio on my social media. I have my own jersey. It's got my own name on it. But they have these things. Uh, you know, I got pictures of myself, let's say, at the arena and pictures of myself with the players. You know, it might be very difficult for you to buy into that. It might be difficult for you to, to think there, there's no way that's real. Why? Because there's no evidence of that. There's no evidence of me, let's say, being a professional hockey player. If there is evidence of that, then obviously I would be very good at skating. There, Obviously, I would be seen on some sort of roster in some ways. Obviously, I'd be very skilled in that area or at least improving in those areas, but I'm not. And as a silly way as that sounds, in many ways, that's how many people, many of even us potentially, handle and live out, let's say, uh, our faith in Christ, is that, let's say, we claim to be a follower of Christ. We, we proclaim that, but, but maybe there's stuff in our lives that, that we're not daily pursuing him. Maybe there's not that daily habit of studying his word or praying for him. Uh, but, but we have it, let's say, in our bio, on our, on our social media page. Maybe we, uh, uh, just as the jersey with that, but, but I wear a cross necklace with these things. Or wear, let's say, uh, apparel that have a cross on them or some sort of verse on it. Uh, I take pictures of my, uh, I have pictures of myself, let's say, at church or on a mission trip. And, and all of those could be great things, but it has to go beyond just the surface. It has to go beyond just the surface. It has to be something internal about our lives. It has to be something where there's evidence of that throughout our daily life. And that is something I want us to look at tonight as we study this, is that our faith cannot be something that is just surface level. 
That, that if we truly proclaim to be a follower of Christ, then there should be evidence of that in our lives as we daily live for him and as we daily pursue him. But, but here is the thing of that, is that we as fallen, sinful human beings, we're prone to live for ourselves. We're prone and we're bent towards wanting to glorify ourselves. We're, we're prone to just, instead, even if we keep our faith at a surface level, we just want to check the box that we did something. We're prone to keep ourselves on the throne of our own hearts rather than allowing God to be at the throne, to be at the center of our very lives. That, that maybe for many of us, whether we realize it or not, that, that we live for the blessings of Christ while still trying to keep Christ at arm's distance. So we want all the blessings that Christ promises us without having to sacrifice anything on our end to live for him. But that's not what the gospel commands us to do. In fact, the, the main point, if you're following along um, on your notes, the main point of tonight's sermon is this, is that the gospel commands us and empowers us to have Christ be at the center of all areas of our life. The gospel commands us and empowers us to have Christ be at the center of all areas of our life. Because here's the thing of what we're going to look at tonight is that if we have truly been gripped by the power of the gospel, then it'll be that same power of the gospel that is working within us to live out our faith in Christ, that we will live for Christ, that we will work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And we're going to look at what that means tonight as we look at Matthew 5. So if you have your copy of God's Word, or if you have, let's say, your smartphone or tablet, whatever you use your Bible on, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, looking at specifically verse 8. As we continue our sermon series through the Sermon on the Mount. And so we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, where it says this. This is the word of the Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's pray real quick. Dear Lord, thank you just so much for tonight. Thank you for this opportunity for us to just be able to gather around your word. Even if it is electronically that we're able to gather as the church. So I pray just during this time, I pray that you will free us up from just any sort of distractions that can, that can just grab our attention during this time. That it's very tempting that if we're watching this, let's say on a laptop or our phone or a smart TV, it's very tempting for us uh, to do so many other things during this time. But I pray in the middle of this, would you just help us slow down? Would you help us focus in on what you have to teach us tonight? And I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you just open up our mind to understand this? Would you open up our heart to receive it? That will be open to what you have to tell us tonight, that you will convict us, you will encourage us, and you will equip us more to become the people of God that you have called us to be. I pray that through all of this, it is only your truth that is being proclaimed, and that is only your truth that is taking root and being remembered, that anything else that I say that is of my own opinion or my own words will be forgotten. So I pray, dear Lord, that you will just hide me behind your cross and that is what is proclaimed through your word. We pray all of this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. 
So if you've been following along this past few weeks, what we look at with each beatitude uh, as we go through these different verses is that we will see that there is an attitude that we are to have if we are a follower of Christ. And then there is a blessing that comes from having that sort of attitude. And so tonight, tonight, the attitude that we are to have is this. The attitude we are to have is to fully pursue Christ. Is to fully pursue Christ. Is the attitude that we are to have if we are to truly be a follower of Christ. Like it says, it says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Well, then if we want to know uh, if people are able to see God, if, if it's those that are pure in heart, then we need to understand what those words mean, pure in heart. And so the first one is this. The first one is pure, pure, which means guiltless, free of sin, uh, the absence of impurity or filth. Purity. The second one is heart, pure in heart. And heart means the position of a person's thoughts, volitions, and emotions, and knowledge of right and wrong. And so we must be guiltless, free of sin, this absence of impurity or filth in our thoughts, in our choices, in our emotions, and in our knowledge of right and wrong. And so with this, this is an illusion, actually. This, this point of Matthew 5 8 is an allusion to Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4. Where it says this. Where it says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. So it's saying, Who can stand in just the presence of the Lord? It's those with clean hands and a pure heart. So it's, it's much more than just realizing these clean hands that we are to have, but it's, it's more about the inner person. Our heart is supposed to be made clean. So, of course, if it, the only people that can see God are those that are free of sin in both our, in all of our thoughts and all of our choices and all of our emotions and all of our knowledge of right and wrong, well, that obviously is impossible for us because we are fallen, sinful human beings born with a sin nature. But there is one that is pure in heart, that makes us pure in heart, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, who who came and lived a perfect sinless life that we are not able to live, that lived under the law, that lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross to pay for the penalty for all of our sins for all of time. And that we are truly able to be pure of heart if we repent of those sins and if we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the one that makes us clean. It's nothing to do with anything in and of ourselves, but it is only by Christ that we are able to be made clean. And that's what we must remember first and foremost. It is only by Christ that we're able to do these things. That that. The pure in heart, obviously this purity of heart, that Jesus is able to change and transform our hearts. And those, that pure heart will lead to clean hands. Because here's the thing, as we see even in this time, that righteousness can be faked. We see that in the Pharisees, where they held this law up. But it wasn't truly lived out in their daily lives. But true righteousness, true righteousness will be lived out in all areas of our life. 
Because here's the thing is that justification leads to sanctification. There's two big fancy kind of theological words you might hear a lot. Because here's the thing, our salvation is not a one-time event, but it's an ongoing lifestyle. That, that our salvation is not just this one-time thing where we pray this prayer and, and repent of our sins and believe in Christ, and then that's it, we're done. Yes, we are saved in that moment, and yes, we are sealed for all of eternity. But, but God does not just call us to stay there and say, see you in heaven. He's calling us to more. He's calling us to continually follow his example, that now that we have believed in Christ, we are now to follow after Christ. We are to follow the example that he has set before us. It, it, as it says in Philippians 2.12, that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That yes, we have received salvation by the blood of Christ. And now that we have been captured and gripped by the gospel of Christ and transformed by the gospel of Christ, it should transform us so and transform our desires to where we now want to live for Christ. Because here's the thing, the gospel is so much more, it's not about behavior modification, but it's about life transformation. So following along with your notes, that is one of the next points, is that, that the gospel is not about behavior modification, but life transformation. It's, it's not about making bad people good, but it's about making dead people alive. That it's about bringing people from spiritual death to spiritual life, to now live for Christ and point other people to him so that those people might believe in Christ and come from spiritual death to spiritual life and do the exact same thing. Because like I said, that that our salvation is not just a one-time event, but an ongoing lifestyle. Because there's these three big events, if you will. There's these three big words that are tied into our salvation. There is justification, there is sanctification, and then there is glorification. So let me talk about justification and glorification first. Justification, what that means is just, it's the moment we repented of our sins and we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and received him as Lord and Savior. That it was in that moment that we repented and believed that Jesus imputed his righteousness upon us. He placed his righteousness upon us. He came to indwell in our hearts. And in that moment, we brought from spiritual death to spiritual life in a right relationship with God. That is what happened at what is called justification. At the very end, there's what's called glorification, where we are fully restored to God, where we enter into heaven and our bodies become just fully glorified bodies, where we are free of sin and we're able to enjoy Christ for all of eternity. But there's this part in between that that's called sanctification, That's what happens between justification and glorification. Sanctification is when we are striving after Christ on a day-by-day basis, that we are pursuing him, that we, every single day, we want to become more like him. That we're putting off the old self that much more and putting on the new self that much more each day, step by step, bit by bit. And so what we are talking about here is, is Jesus is wanting us to understand about this sanctification, those that are pure in heart. That yes, we have been cleansed by the blood of Christ. We have been saved by grace through faith alone that only comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that yes, we will be able to see him one day as he restores everything, glorifies us. But until then, he's saying, we want to pursue him. We want to pursue him. We want to live for him. We want to become more like Jesus. 
As it says in Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, how it says, yes, we were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sins. We were living our life the way we best see fit, living under the power of the air and those that are ruling the earth. But God, who is rich in mercy, with his great love he had for us, made us alive in Christ. It says that this was a gift of God that no one may boast but only in Christ, that we are his workmanship. And it says that he saved us for good works. He saved us for good works. That again, we're not doing good works to earn salvation, but we are saved and now we want to live out these good works to point people to him and for us to become more like Christ. Another way it says this purity of heart, it's an undivided loyalty to God. It's an undivided loyalty to God that echoes the same sentiments in, let's say, Deuteronomy 6, 5, and in Mark 12, 30 through 31, where you hear, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. That that means we are to love God with all that we have, that everything about our lives should be captured by the gospel, that everything about our lives should have Jesus at the center of it. That we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. As we go back to what the heart means, that our thoughts, our choices, our emotions, all of those things, all of those things should be so centered on God and love him. And so let me ask you this, is there anything that we are holding back from God? Is, is, there, is there any area of our life that we clutch so firmly and that we are unwilling to let it go over to God? Are we treating our faith like, let's say, cafeteria Christianity? Or are we saying, okay, I want some of that and some of that, but I don't want any of that. God, you can keep all of that and I'll take these parts for myself. Or does our life look like a life that has encountered the living Christ and has been transformed by his grace? Because here's the thing, if we truly want to live for Christ, the gospel should capture and and invade and just filter everything. It should encompass everything about our lives. That it should should affect everything about our lives. Uh, A silly kind of way, a silly illustration, I would say to describe this in a sense is I want you to I want you just to think of a waffle and I want you to think of syrup that we would pour on that waffle. I want you to imagine that waffle is just a representation of our life. And that the syrup is representation of the gospel. That the waffle, we have all those different squares within it. We have all these different aspects of our life. Saying, okay, this is one area for me. We have work over here. We have family over here. We have sports over here. We have all these different things that we're involved in here. That, that these, all these things are kind of where we have them at. But then as soon as, as we, let's say, pour that syrup over, it covers everything. It covers and fills in everything. That the gospel is not just meant to be one part of our life. It's not meant to just fill in one part of that, but it's meant to fill every area of our life. That it's meant to affect every area of our life. The gospel encompasses everything about us. Our faith influences everything in our lives. Because this thing, if we have followed the attitudes preceding all these other verses, then we will understand that as the natural byproduct when we do that. That as we've seen over the last few weeks, we look at, let's say, Matthew 3. Blessed are those that are poor in spirit. We're understanding our spiritual poverty. We're understanding our sinfulness and our need for a Savior. 
That in Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn. That we're mourning over our sinfulness, the sin that's affected us and the world around us and those that are around us. That in Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek, that we're, that we're now responding to Christ. We're seeing our need for him even more. And then there's Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That, that we desire Christ above all else. That we desire him. And then we saw last week, blessed are the merciful, that we were trying to show this mercy of Christ. And then as we see here tonight, that blessed are the pure in heart. That we want to be able to truly have Christ be at the center of everything of our lives. That we are living for him daily. That the gospel has transformed our hearts so much that it's also transforming our desires. That, that we are so radically changed by the gospel that we can't help but to live a transformed life. We can't help but be affected by it and want to daily pursue Christ. That we are just so gripped by it that, that the more we understand the gospel, the more we will desire Christ. That when we truly understand how sinful we are and how gracious and beautiful Jesus is, then we will want more of Christ and, and less of our sin. That we will live out what it says in John 3.30, that you know what, he must increase and I must decrease. That, that, that we must have, that I want more of Christ and less of me. That we will live out Luke 9.23 where it says that, that we are to daily deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow Jesus. That is not just something that is once in a while. It's not just something that's, let's say, every Sunday morning or Wednesday night or maybe just the week of a mission trip, or when things are convenient, or when things are maybe very troublesome and worrisome, like during this season. But it says we are to daily pick up our cross, deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus. That that is something that the gospel does, that if we have truly been changed by the gospel, then we will live for the gospel. That if we have truly been transformed by Christ, then we will desire to live for Christ. That that is the attitude we are to have. That if the gospel has truly captured our hearts, then we will fully pursue Christ. We will fully pursue Christ. And that if we fully pursue Christ, then we will see the blessing from that, which is our second main point, if you're following along your notes, our second main point, that if we fully pursue Christ, if we have that attitude, then the blessing that comes out of that is that we have more of Christ. That we get more of Christ. That we see more of Christ. And that this happens, that it says, they will, they shall see God. That that is a promise. That if we are pure in heart, if we're daily pursuing Christ, it says, they shall see God. That is a promise. It's not saying you might. It's not saying there's a possibility. It's saying, no, they shall see God. That we will see and we will have more of Christ. Now, this comes in two different realities. The one is the future And the one is the here and now. So let me start with the future of how we will see God. For the pure in heart that shall see God in the future, what that means, it's when God comes back, when Jesus returns, and when Jesus rights every wrong and restores everything to himself. That this will be the complete fulfillment of that promise and blessing, as Pastor Kenneth has been preaching about the past few weeks. That we will be free from sin, that we will truly be totally pure because of Christ, because of the glorification as we talked about earlier. That we will see our Savior face to face, that we will have all of Christ for all of eternity. 
that those who are pure of heart will be able to see Christ and live for him for all of eternity. And as long and as we much as we long for that, as much as we long for Christ, for his kingdom come and his will to be done, as much as we long to see that for us to be free of sin, for us to no longer be struggling with that between flesh and spirit. Here's the thing is that, that we still are to live for him right now until that occurs. We're still to live for him on a day-by-day basis. And so that leads to the second reality that we are going to see God now if we are pure in heart, if we're pursuing Christ fully. And even right now, we can, we can see God by understanding more about him and living for him. That just like as we saw that cycle last week about mercy and how we'll understand that more and do that more, it's the same with this week. That the more we understand Christ, the more that we will desire Christ. And the more we desire Christ, the more we will live for Christ. And that the more we live for Christ, the more we will understand that much more about Christ. And so the cycle will continue on and on and on with that. And that, that is the sanctification part of it, that we're learning more about Christ. And as we understand more about Christ and more of our need for him, that we will desire him more. And as we desire him more, then we will live for him. And as we live for him, then he will become that much more evident in our lives. We will conform that much more into his image. But at the same time, we'll also learn even more about our precious Savior and continue that process. And that is what will fill the promise of Matthew 5, 6, where it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. That the more we see Christ, the more we hunger and thirst for him, saying we need him, that we need Christ in our lives. We need that precious Savior. We need his grace to help us with that. And it says we will be satisfied. That he will help us become more like him and conform more into his image and live for him. And so that is, that is a promise. In the same way, you could describe it the same way, let's say, with your spouse. That let's say the more you learn about your spouse, the more you will love your spouse. And the more you will want to live for your spouse, the more the one you will punt them before yourself. And you'll think less of yourself and more of that person. In the same way as with Christ, the more we learn about him, the more we will just fall in love that much more with our Savior and see our need for him. And that much more we want to put him before our own. We want to put him at the center of all of our decisions, of all of our thoughts, of all of our choices, of all of our actions, of all of our words. That is what we want to live out. As we do that, we'll see just how beautiful he is and just how much more he conforms us into his image and how much more we need him and continue this beautiful sanctification process of becoming that much more like our Savior. Because here's the thing. Here's what I want us to understand as we grow more and become more like Christ. We're not perfect, and that's okay. We're not perfect, and that's okay. Here's the thing. We are fallen, sinful human beings. We have our shortcomings, and there's going to be some days that we fall short. There's going to be some moments that we fall into temptation, but Christ's grace is better. That yes, our sins, they are many, but his mercy is more. A perfect verse I would use to describe this, that we are not perfect, it comes from 1 Timothy 4, 12 through 15, where, where Paul is writing to Timothy and says, you are to set an example to all the believers in your speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. So basically all aspects of your life should represent Christ and set an example. But here it says this, it's to devote yourselves to scripture, that we are to devote ourselves to scripture. But then even more so that he says, practice these things, immerse yourself in these things. So that people may see your progress. 
is that people may see your progress, not your perfection. Because here, as it says in your notes, here it is. It's, it's about progress, not perfection. It's about progress, not perfection. It's, it's, it's not about us being perfect, let's say, overnight. It's about us day by day, step by step, just becoming that much more like Christ. Because here's the thing, it's not going to happen overnight. A, a way I would illustrate this is imagine that, let's say, during this quarantine that we have just not been able to social distance from our fridge and we have gained some weight from that and that we want to be able to lose that weight. We have this desire in our heart that we want to lose weight. Does that mean that just overnight we're going to drop all of it? No. But what we do is that is that we will start to just put healthier habits in place. Okay, I know these are unhealthy foods I no longer want to eat, so I'm going to put those off, and I want to put in that place just healthier foods to eat, better things to drink, better habits to have. I want to put off unhealthy habits, and I want to put on better, healthier habits, let's say of exercising and dieting and things like that. That, that we have that desire of losing weight ultimately. Now, obviously, are there going to be days that we are tempted, let's say, to indulge back in those unhealthy habits that we had beforehand? Absolutely, because we're not perfect. There's going to be those times that we want to indulge in. And there might be times that we fall into that, where we fall into that and we participate in it. But here's the thing, that is not what defines us. Is that obviously there'll be progress throughout that. Is that it's not that one, it's not that that one time that let's say we eat something unhealthy that totally thwarts everything or stops us in our place or says that we can't go any further. No, why? Because that desire we have should be greater than let's say that indulgence we want to live in, that we want to participate in. That, that the desire to lose weight is greater than that. And that there might be times where we see progress in our lives, that maybe we see some of the weight that we're losing. And that, yes, we fell that one time, but we're not going to let that stop us. We're going to continue to go forward and onward. It would be the, 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 in the same way that is what will be our spiritual growth. That, yes, like there, there are times that we're trying to put off our old sinful habits that we used to live in. And we're, we're putting on these new, this new godly habits that we're to live in. And that's going to be difficult some days. That, again, us as fallen sinful human beings, we're prone to want to go back to those things. And there's going to be some days maybe we fall back into those temptations, but that is not what defines us. It is, it is not, let's say, that temptation we fell into that defines us. It is the righteousness of Christ that is in us is what defines us. That we're not defined by that. And yes, there'll be moments, there'll be days that are difficult. But it's that step by step, day by day, us denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following Christ. And we might not see the results immediately, but over time, we'll be able to look back and see the progress that we've made, that Christ has worked in our lives, that through fear and trembling of the Lord, that we desire Christ more, that we're able to work out our salvation, we're able to grow deeper in our faith, we're able to come more like Jesus. We're able to continue on this sanctification process. Why? Because we're going to see Christ. We're going to desire Christ more than we desire our old way of living. And that's what happens when, when the gospel captures our hearts. That the gospel captures our hearts and the more we live out the gospel, the more we will not want to associate ourselves with sin, the less we will want to desire sin, the more we want to desire Christ. Because here's the thing, here's the beautiful thing that God gives us the grace we need to pursue Christ. That we're not in this alone. That God gives us the grace we need. God doesn't just save us and then say, all right, I'll see you in heaven. See you there. 
No, but God doesn't just have us live with these sinful habits, but calls us to repent of those sinful habits and live for him. God gives us the grace to repent of those sins and to live for him more and more by the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about this. It says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9-13, that we have the Holy Spirit living inside us, the Spirit of the living God who knows all the mind of God, who understands the mind of God and knows all of just his truths. And he is indwelt within us, that he is able to help us understand more and more the truths of God. Or this, that in Romans 8, 11, by the same power of the Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power of the Holy Spirit that raised us from spiritual death to spiritual life and now lives within us. That, that the goal of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ. And that the Holy Spirit is living within us. He is going to help us. That Jesus said he is a helper. He's going to help us live for Christ more. That he's going to help us slowly chip away just those things that just are not glorifying to him. And be able to conform even more into his image. That we're not in this alone. God gives us the grace. That it says in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, that yes, we're running this race with endurance. We're running this race with endurance. That yes, there'll be times when we get winded. There'll be times that we're tempted to get distracted by the sidelines. But, but we look to Christ, who it says is the founder and perfecter of our faith. And for the joy that lay before him, took on the sins of the world, and now sits at the right hand of the Father, and is cheering us onward, is right beside us every step of the way, that Jesus brought us into this race, and yes, Jesus is waiting at the finish line, and we cross it, but he's also there in between, helping us every step of the way to get to that point. That he's the author and founder, he's the author and finisher of our faith, he's the founder and perfecter of our faith, that we are not in this alone, that Jesus is with us every step of the way, that Jesus would not command us to do something he has not already done himself. That if you look in your notes, that that Jesus gives us an example to follow and the grace to follow, that Christ gives us an example to follow, that he has been able to live this out by living for God with his whole life, giving everything to God, but he also gives us the grace to be able to follow him. Like I said, Jesus helps us. Jesus helps us with this. Since Jesus has done it, he will help us do it. How it says in Hebrews 2, 14 through 18, that he came not to serve angels, but to serve the sons and daughters of Abraham. That is you and I. And so he had to partake in everything we had. So flesh and blood. So the word made flesh. And he came and lived among us. So he might break the power of death that was over us. Break those chains that were over us. That he was tempted in every way, yet without sinning. So when we are tempted, he's able to help us. Here's the thing. Jesus understands the difficulties Jesus understands the struggles that we face. Jesus understands the temptations that we go through on a day-to-day basis. But here's the thing. He has overcome all that and he will help us too. He will help us with them. That we're able to do just like Jesus did, where Jesus said and prayed, Lord, Lord, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. And he will give us the grace to be able to do the same thing. That just as Jesus held nothing back in obedience to God, Never are we to hold anything back in obedience to God. That that, his is the example we are to follow. That he held nothing back. And if Jesus held nothing back, and if we are pursuing him, then we are to hold nothing back as well. So let me ask us this. Are we fully sold out to God? 
Are we fully sold out to him? Do we live a life of total surrender? Do we reserve, let's say, our obedience to Christ on just Sunday morning and Wednesday night? Or is it an everyday thing? Do, do we tell Christ, do, do, we, do, we, tell Christ, do we tell Christ that, that he can take it all and not just, not just some of it? You know what, Jesus, here is my life. Here is a blank check. Use it however you best see fit. Or even more so, what are difficulties that hold you back from pursuing him? What are some ways you feel like, oh, this is too much, let's say? Jesus can handle it. Jesus can handle it. That if any of our sins were too great for Christ, he would still be lying in that grave. That's not how the story goes. That he was resurrected out of the grave bodily, overcoming sin and the consequences of sin, and showing that since he has overcome the world, overcome sin, overcome all temptations, that if we have repented of our sins and believed on him, we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead also. And that he will help us every step of the way to live for him. Because here's the thing, the more we give our lives to God, the more we will see that he is all we need. The more we surrender more stuff over to him, the more, the more we see that he is all we need and the more it makes it easier for us to give stuff over to him. Because here's the thing, another way I would put it that it says in your notes, the more we turn away from sin and turn towards Christ, the more we will see that Jesus is better. That the more we turn away from sin and turn towards Christ, the more we will see that Jesus is better. That we will say, as it says in Philippians 3, 8, that we count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ as Lord. That this is why we count everything as rubbish. That, that we suffer the loss of all things because we desire Christ more. That we want to gain more of Christ. We want to see more of Christ in our lives. That we want to see more of Christ rule and reign in our own lives. And that we will want to see Christ rule and reign in the lives of others. That we want to see Christ restore more and more of creation back to himself. And here's the thing, for those who have truly repented of their sins, truly believed on him and received him as Lord and Savior and daily pursue him, they will see Christ. They will see Christ. They will see Christ more and more. They will see Christ rule and reign. They will see Christ fully restore just us to himself. But even more so than that, in the future, they will see Christ rule and reign for all of eternity. They will see him fully restore everything back to himself. He will see him make everything pure in heart. And then everyone will see that he is God, that he is the Almighty, that he is greater than everything. That we will be able to see Christ rule and reign and restore everything more and more, not just now, but in the future when he returns. Here's the thing, as the verse says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. That is a promise. That is a promise we shall see God. That's a promise we shall see God that if we are daily pursuing him, that if we allow Christ to forgive us of all of our sins and now we in full total abandon pursue Christ, then we will see more and more of him, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. That as we are daily pursuing him, we desire him more, we live for him more, we're able to point others to him and invite them to repent and believe and that see them be transformed by the grace of the gospel and then see them daily pursue him and make that evidence in our lives. Oh, would we be people 
that are evidence of a life that has encountered the true living Christ and that's been radically transformed by his grace. Would we be a people that daily deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him? Would we be a people that say we are pure in heart thanks to Christ and that we shall see God? Because it says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And here's the beautiful thing, that promise can start today. That promise can start today. Maybe there's some of you that are watching and that maybe you are not a believer in Christ. You're not a follower of Christ, but you are pursuing all these different things and they just don't seem to satisfy. They just don't seem to add up. They just don't seem to help whatsoever. They make you feel more empty, more lonely. And just, it, it just, all the things the world offers, it just doesn't satisfy those deep longings of your soul. I'm here to tell you today that it's only Christ that will satisfy And that Christ is calling us today to repent of those sins, to repent of pursuing the ways of the world, to repent from the earthly kingdom and pursue him, to repent of our sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he calls us to do. Maybe there's some of you that are watching and you are a follower of Christ, but you're struggling. It's hard. It's hard for you to daily pursue him. Maybe there is just certain just temptations in your life that are difficult. Maybe there's just certain sins you feel like are just so great. That it's hard. Here's my encouragement for you. That his mercies are new every day. His mercies are new every single day. That his love is unending. It says he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. That if we as well, if we will repent of those sins, and if we will turn to him and believe in him, he is faithful to forgive us. He is faithful to make us continue to help us strive to be pure in heart. So for those of you that are struggling during this time, be encouraged knowing that Christ is waiting there with arms wide open, waiting for you to turn back to him. Maybe there's some of you that you are a believer and you are, you are truly thriving right now. You're doing well. You're daily pursuing him, that you're living for him more and more. You're seeing all the ways that Christ is working in and on your life, the ways that you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling. My encouragement for you is keep running. Keep going, keep pursuing Christ, keep following after him and never forget where our help comes from. Never forget where the grace comes from to be able to pursue him. Never forget the righteousness that we are pursuing of how much more we need Christ. Never forget that. And that way, y'all are able to come alongside, let's say the believers that are struggling, able to point them to him and remind those believers that are struggling, they're not in this alone, that we are all in this together as the family of Christ, pursuing him daily, making his name known. As we love him and love others, we make disciples, we make his name glorified and known all throughout the earth. And then we're able to come alongside, let's say the unbelievers and point them saying, this is what your heart is longing for, that it is only by the creator of the universe that can satisfy that. Oh, would we be people that daily pursue? Would we be people known that deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him? Would we be people known as pure in heart, pure in our motives, pure in our words, pure in our thoughts, pure in just our choices and actions? So that, that if we are pure in heart as we pursue Christ, that we will see God and that we pray that other people will see God. They will see Christ and they will come to know him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you just so, so much for your son, Jesus. 
Thank you just so much for his sacrifice on the cross. Thank you so much that he has died for our sins and paid for the penalty for all of our sins for all of time because there is no way in and of ourselves that we can make ourselves right in the sight of God or pure in heart by our own ways, but it is only by your shed blood on the cross that we're able to. Thank you that by your cross, you're able to purchase our salvation, that if we will repent of our sins and believe in you, that we will be saved. And I pray that it doesn't stop there, that that your gospel will, will just capture our hearts fully and that we will want to live for you in all areas of our life. Will we be people that are pure in heart? Would you help us by your grace, help us be even more people that are pure in heart so we can see more of you, that we see more of you lived out in our life. We will see more of you rule and reign in our life. And that, that through that, people are able to see Christ and people are able to see him and believe in him and see Christ rule and reign in their lives too. Lord, would you help us? It is only by your grace. It is only by your power. And it's only by your son who we desire to follow and make known. And it's in your son's holy, precious, matchless, powerful name we pray. Amen.